Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, it's Tuesday, and this is John Katsimatidis along with Rita Cosby. In the studio, we got Judge Richard Weinberg and Tony Carbonetti. Uh, that was... Uh, Chief of Staff to uh, Rudy Giuliani when he was mayor. And guys, what a mess we got on our hands. What a mess. And Tony, you know, being, of course, close to Mayor Giuliani, everyone is so worried about what could happen to the homeland now because our border's wide open. Huge hearing today. Even FBI Director Ray was saying we're vulnerable. I mean, give me a break. I, I think we all thank God every day since September 11th that, you know, knock on wood, we, we've been able to protect ourselves. Um, you know, we, we have... Mexico and Canada is our neighbors. Right now, we are vulnerable. The FBI has said in Washington today that New York has always been the target. Yes. And I think New York is going to hit us. Uh, Somebody's going to hit us in New York, and and I think we just got to be very careful. I do, too. And emotions are so high, Judge Weinberg. I mean, look at all these protests. I mean, they're getting crazy. Let me ask you this question. So when is the Biden administration going to wake up that they have to seal the border and have to vet the people coming into this country. That's exactly I think the United what I was going to say. That's the most important thing. The U.S. senators in Washington today went, uh, uh, got together, Ted Cruz and, yep, Ted and Cruz all of them, and, Cornyn, and yep. say enough is enough with this border. And uh, they're just uh, creeping along. But you know the thing, uh, to your point, John, it was amazing during the hearing that took place today. I mean, they were hammering. It was FBI Director Ray, uh, Secretary Lloyd Austin, um, and also Alejandro Mayorkas. And they were like, yeah, you're saying we're vulnerable. What's going on? Lock the door. What's going on with the border? Don't Ah, you admit an open border? And they wouldn't concede it, John. It was like circle talk. It was shocking. I understand that, uh, you know, we got 51 out of 51 city council seats coming up uh, in the next seven days, seven days and seven nights. these are the ones that vote on our budget. And uh, they vote, the heck with the budget. I'm worried about keeping our city safe because... Some of them, a lot of them want to defund the police. That's my the point. That's the budget. You know? That's, hey, that's, that's the, the budget, budget John. A dollar, a dollar more, a dollar less. I mean, but uh, defund the police? I mean, most of our top cops have left already. Yeah, and some of them, uh, Tiffany Caban is Curtis, on the, I understand you know? Curtis and Sid are coming up with a list yes. of who to vote for, the top 12 Good. to vote for. That a pro uh, police officer. And, and John, that's important. Everybody get out and vote because it doesn't matter. You're Republican, Democrat, whatever it is. You want to be safe and you should know, be educated as to who is supporting the police. I understand uh, uh, Mr. Dershowitz is ready. Really. Yep, we have Professor Alan Dershowitz, of course, <laughs> Harvard uh, <laughs> Law Professor Emeritus. Uh, and also, uh, you have an amazing new book out. Uh, what to talk about timely. Uh, war to end against uh, Hamas, yep. barbarism, the Jews. But it's war against the Jews. Forgive me, you got a couple different titles in here. Um, but war against the Jews. I, I know you rocks socketed. You got it out there really quickly. But this is so important, Professor Dershowitz. Did you see they finally arrested somebody tied to the threats on uh, Cornell campus? Well, that's what I wanted to talk about. You talk about the borders, and that's very important. We have a fifth column in this country. We have students today at Harvard that will join terrorists if there's a terrorist attack on the United States. 
That's how bad it is. We have our own children, our children of our friends, who would join and support the terrorists if there was another 9-11 attack on the United States. That's why I wrote the book, The War on the Jews. You know, somebody wanted to call it the war on Israel. I said, no, this is a worldwide war on the Jews. And it's also a war on Judeo-Christian. It's a war on America. It's a war on decency. That's why I hope your listeners will advance, order it from from Amazon. It's already a, a kind of bestseller, even though it's not even out yet. But I just finished writing it literally today, and it'll be out in a few weeks. But it tells... It really tells a frightening story about what's going on in this country. You know, the second worst thing that happened was the attack on 7, on October 7th. That was the second worst thing. The worst thing was the reaction to it by these vicious Hitler youth that go to Harvard and go to Penn and go to Stanford. Oh, they don't wear swastikas, but they wear the green headdresses of Hamas. They're just like the Hitler youth that brought the Nazis to power. They're like the Stalin youth that brought Stalin to power. The Ayatollah youth, just because they're young people, doesn't give them a pass. Some of the worst events in history were brought about by students, students, students. The students who want to burn books. When you start by burning books, you're going to end by burning people, as a great philosopher once said. So we have a problem in this country even deeper than closing the borders. We have a fifth column in this country. That will turn against us if there are terrorist attacks. The first time in our history. Yeah, people talk about insurrection. They claim that Trump engaged in an insurrection. You ain't seen nothing. If there's a terrorist attack in the United States, you will find students at our major universities cheering on the terrorists, joining the terrorists, giving them information necessary to destroy America because they hate. America. That's what our educational institutions have done to our students. Well, and you know what's disgusting well, at the well, UN? I, I just want to know one question, Rita. Yeah. Professor, you've been a professor at, uh, for 60 years at Harvard. That's right. That's right. Was there a period of time uh, 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 that you saw that turn happening? Yes. It was after the killing of George Floyd, and one person with drugs in his body and a criminal record, all the schools engaged in what is called a reckoning. They created this abomination called diversity, equity, and inclusion, D-E-I, which means lack of intellectual diversity, lack of equality, and exclusion of Jews and Christians and decent people. Uh, And they hired hundreds and hundreds of staff members who pushed the students into this woke, hard-left, anti-Semitic, anti-American, anti-Judeo-Christian philosophy. The first step that has to be taken is we need a new reckoning. And what year did you leave Harvard? Hmm? What year did you leave Harvard? Well, I never left Harvard, but I stopped yeah. actively teaching uh, 10 years ago. When ten I years turned ago. 75. And, and you saw it right yeah. after you left? Uh, right after you left? Uh, well, you, right after you stopped teaching? Is that when it, you saw it happening? <laughs> well, I, don't want to t- I don't want to take credit for keeping Harvard good, but Ruth Weiss and I were the people that you went to when you had a problem with this, and we left in the same year. And, um, you know, and, and Larry Summers left. And uh, there was a turnaround. And I, I would say that uh, it's happened over the last 10 years, but the George Floyd killing was the transforming event in modern American history that not only turned universities into propaganda mills, but the media, 
um, and corporations. Everybody had to do a reckoning because of one person. Now and I understand 1,400 people have been killed. A reckoning about Jews maybe is desirable. And I, I understand you, the George Floyd issue, that it's yeah. now coming out that there was a lot of uh, drugs in the system and, yeah. and he was well, destined look, to die anyway. Well, yeah, what the police did was improper. It was improper. It, it, it was okay to have a reckoning. But you can't change everything based on one person and, and eliminate. You know, one of the reasons that Jews are so hated by the woke generation is everything that Jews have accomplished is based on meritocracy, hard work, making it because of uh, what you've done. And that's exactly the opposite from what woke wants. Woke wants people to report it based on their identity on who they are, not what they've done. And so uh, when you have a group, and by the way, Harvard not only discriminated against Jews, they discriminated against Italian Catholics, Irish Catholics, Greek Americans. They discriminated against so many groups. I'm shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Greeks too? He didn't say Polish Don't Americans. Don't forget the Asians. Don't forget well, the Asians. Yeah. Sure, Polish Americans, ethnic, yeah. ethnic Americans. But, but um, Professor Dershowitz... You have to be a wasp. A, you know what? A, a Brahmin. Yeah. I want to ask you also about the UN. And by the way, I, I just want to say something personal. You talked about the Hitler Youth. You may know that my father became a prisoner of war. He told me one of the most just <laughs> horrible days. He was marched from one camp to the other, and the Hitler Youth were th- were throwing snowballs at him and and mocking him and his fellow POWs. So you're right; but they're Hitler, they're just Hitler disgusting. Youth, Hitler Youth was also marching down York Avenue. Uh, on the uh, Upper East Side of Manhattan and going to Madison Square Garden and doing Heil Hitler salutes in Madison Square Garden. 20,000 people. Disgusting. On Charles yep. Lindbergh yep. and uh, other people like that. Look, I, I am sitting as we speak. I'm looking at the United Nations. That's what I, I was going to talk to you about, the U.N. ambassador. To New York. Did yeah. you see the U.N. ambassador is now put on yesterday, Gilad Erdan. This is the Israeli ambassador to the U.N., he said, we are now putting on, it's the Holocaust era, the big star, the yellow star, the star of David on his uniform like the Nazis used to do. And he's putting him on. And he said, I am showing the world that I am proud to be Jewish and I'm going to keep it on until the U.N. condemns the Hamas terrorist attacks. Look, I, I and that's shocking. On every television show that I'm on, every speech I've given, I wear a chai tie, a, a tie in Hebrew that says chai life. And I wear a sign on my a button on my shirt. I support Israel. I'm not going to be pushed around. I'm not going to be terrorized the way Cornell students have been terrorized. These poor kids can't go to class. Finally, somebody was arrested. But that's not enough. This is pervasive at our universities today. And, it's, you know, I think that this these events have been our Kristallnacht. Again, not necessarily the killings, but the reaction to the killings was a wake-up call to uh, the Jews of Europe to get the hell out of Europe, and many of them failed to wake up, and they slept through the wake-up call. And I think what our children—I think about my my close friend's daughter, who's marching along with these people, people who I grew up with, our friends. I think about there was a story about a German professor who was adored by his students in Berlin. And then one of his students marched him into the gas chamber. Oh, my That's God. That's what happened um, in Germany. Uh, and and I'm not saying it's happening here, but I'm saying be careful. Watch well, one, what's one, going one, on in this country. One more question before we go to break, and I think Judge Weinberg might have a question for you, too. But uh, the question is, uh, 
is this usual uh, having the Trump kids, all three kids, uh, uh, Trump Jr. and uh, uh, and Eric and uh, uh, and Ivanka. Ivanka are all being marched before the oh, district attorney's it's, office. It's, is that hitting below the belt or is that absolutely. usually? No, no, it's hitting below the belt. It's part of extortion. It's done, but it shouldn't be done in situations like this. Um, this is part of Get Trump. I wrote another book yeah. called Get Trump about that, and they'll do anything to try to prevent it from running. Now in Colorado, they're trying to stretch the Constitution to mean something it never meant so that he could be excluded from running. I heard that. Uh, that's not going to happen. The Supreme yeah. Court will overrule judge, that. A quick one, Judge, because we got to go to break on this. Alice, I want to ask you this question. You know about the 100 professors at Columbia which yeah. have endorsed the Hamas protest yeah. and said that the kids shouldn't be held accountable for supporting yeah. Hamas? And that, that they Can said. You imagine if the same kids had been members of the Ku Klux Klan, how many of them would be saying these kids ought to be expelled? And these are professors. These are law professors, a law professor named Frank, who says that raping women essentially is a military act designed to overcome. So, Alan, why don't they distinguish? But but like you distinguish between Hamas and Palestine, why don't the professors tell the kids that? Because they support Hamas, because they don't care about Palestinians. They care about Jews. What they care about is they hate Jews. They hate the Jewish state much more than they love gay rights or women's rights. Remember, these are feminists who are supporting Hamas, which believes in honor killing, which believes that you can kill a woman if she disobeyed her husband. These are people who would hang gays. These are people who would kill transgenders. And these women, Professor Frank and others, are prepared to support an organization like that because they hate Jews even more than they like their own principles that they claim to stand for. Thank it's, you, it's, Professor it's, Dershowitz. Thank you so, so much. And, and keep keep speaking up. We stand by your side all the time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Rita, I understand you got the ambassador on? Or, yeah, or actually, or we, have, yeah, we have General Anthony Tata, uh, who is joining us now. Uh, Brigadier General Anthony Tata, also the author of Total Empire. He was Undersecretary of Defense for Policy. And uh, General Tata, uh, we're talking, of course, a lot about Israel. Um, you may have heard this. And, and the propaganda war, there's the military war, there's the propaganda war. Um, but uh, IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, says they hit a refugee camp. It's the largest one, apparently, in Gaza. And they said they did it because they were getting a killing, they said, um, one of the senior leaders of the attacks on their country and also a whole bunch of other terrorists. Of course, the Palestinians are saying it was uh, all civilians. Uh, what are your thoughts about these strikes? And it looks like there was a whole tunnel system below this refugee camp. Yeah, hey, uh, Rita, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a valid military target if uh, the uh, commanders, uh, uh, soldiers are there for Hamas, uh, weapon systems are there, if it's a command and control network. Uh, you know, the IDF, and I've operated with the IDF, they they will do everything humanly possible to avoid civilian casualties, and they go to extreme caution to do so, but uh, they are in a fight for their life now, and the rules of engagement allow them to attack where they find senior leaders, uh, soldiers uh, grouped together, and and they did so with a precision munition. But this is exactly the public relations war that Hamas wants, because they want civilians to die. 
they they want as much carnage as as uh, they can uh, bait Israel into, because uh, from their perspective, this this uh, international movement is every bit as important as the tactical uh, 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 actions that are taking place on the ground in Gaza uh, and around Israel. And so this is part and parcel the strategic global jihad that uh, Islamic extremism has long promised uh, that seems to be getting some traction in major uh, cities around the globe. You know, General Tata, um, also uh, Netanyahu came out yesterday. He was so forceful and said, you know, this is our second uh, fight for independence, essentially. It's it's us against terrorism, and if they kill us, they're coming for you. He also said there will be no ceasefire. He was very clear. Today, I heard the National Security Advisor, uh, the National Security Council spokesperson, John Kirby, come out and say, well, maybe we would do a humani- we would push for a humanitarian pause. Does it seem like the U.S. and Israel are on different tracks? <laughs> this administration, Rita, is uh, infatuated with Iran. Uh, they have a fetish uh, for Iran, and uh, they, uh, for whatever reason, uh, they cannot decouple themselves from uh, what's going on with Iran. We know they're Iran sympathizers and DOD, Department of State, and some call them spies. Uh, and so when you look at the larger picture of uh, the IDF uh, gaining momentum and continuing, it would be uh, ludicrous. It would be irresponsible for this administration to try to pressure Israel into pausing any kind of operation, because every day that uh, Israel does not uh, seize the momentum, as they seem to be doing, that gives Hamas more time to move civilian targets over military uh, targets, uh, place more human shields, dig in better, get snipers in towers, uh, lay booby traps. All of that, uh, every minute that goes by where where, uh, it's a zero-sum game. Uh, If Israel's not advancing, then uh, Hamas is improving their defenses. General Tony Carbonetti. Um, how prepared are we to put boots on the ground if this does continue to be a three-front attack? Like It looks like it's laying itself out to be right now. Yeah, so, I, uh, Tony, thank you for that uh, very important question. I don't, I, you know, if I were in my old job as a senior uh, you know, policy advisor for DOD, uh, I would not be advising to put boots on the ground. What I would be advising is uh, the policies in place to, uh, maximize intelligence sharing, uh, have state finally start doing its job to diplomatically leverage uh, and pressure these other Arab nations in the region to cool their heels, and then have uh, the the force posture that we seem to be gaining there in the region with the carrier strike groups uh, in the Persian Gulf uh, and in the Eastern Med. I, I know we don't have one in the Gulf yet, but it's on the way. Uh, and and then our main responsibility uh, for our own vital national security interests is to separate Iran from this equation mm-hmm. uh, uh, if, diplomatically, if not by force. And, and well, if they keep striking our, us, we got to strike them back. Exactly, and using our air assets, use our our global hawks and our predators uh, to find, fix, and finish uh, these. Uh, you know, foot soldiers uh, where we can find them, 
and to kill their their you know the Soleimani's of the world, uh, so that they would disable and disrupt their planning. Uh, and and if it, if Iran wants a war, we ought to be prepared to, to give them one. I'm not asking for one. I've seen too much combat in, in my lifetime, and too many of my friends have been killed. But uh, you know there there are. Uh, if, if this global jihad is being spurred by Iran, uh, we've we've got to protect our own nation, our own interests uh, here at home, and we do so by standing up for our allies and ourselves overseas. And uh, General Anthony Tata, uh, we just have a few seconds left. Judge Weinberg has a question for you. General, I wanted to ask you this. Turkey has now made a threat through Erdogan that they are ready, willing, and able to go in go after Israel. What do you make of that? Yeah, Judge, great question. And that's one of the Arab nations that I'm talking about. They're a NATO ally. Uh, we have a diplomatic relationship with them, a strong one. And uh, this is where Blinken ought to you know, leave the Hamptons and get over there and, and start doing State Department stuff, because we can't always lead with the chin of the American soldier. And diplomats have a job and they need to do it and they need to work deals to keep Turkey and Saudi Arabia and and uh, Egypt, Jordan, you know, at bay, while uh, to give Israel the breathing room to reestablish their territorial integrity. Yeah, absolutely, General Tata. Thank you so much for being here on such an important day. We appreciate it. Thank you, ma'am. Always thank you. enjoy it. Uh, let's take a break, and we're going to come back with Lou Dobbs to find out what the heck is going on in the markets. Are their interest rates going to go up again, or are they not? Let's take that break. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. What's going to happen with interest rates? And boy, the economy is such a mess. Joining us now is Lou Dobbs, of course, great political and financial commentator, and also has a show on WABC Radio. Lou, what's going on? How are you doing, guys? And what's going on is we're looking at what appears to be a a real mess, uh, as you described it. But it's a mess that uh, is typical of markets, right? And right now, I would say we're doing fairly well. Uh, we're coming off uh, for the first time with the S and P and uh, down Jones since uh, since uh, two tw- uh, since 2020, uh, posting three consecutive months of losses. Uh, it is uh, at the same time rates are staying high and moving higher. Yields on the ten year moving above five percent again. Um, so I it's. I'm at a loss to tell you exactly what's going to happen here. But if the Fed uh, moves rates higher tomorrow, it's not going to be pleasant. It's We're in a deep mess already. The banks are worried for their own existence right now. You know, Jamie Dimon, uh, I've never seen Jamie Dimon worry and, and, uh, and selling a million shares. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think worry may have been the, the motive there, Katz. Uh, the truth of the matter is, 
Jamie Dimon hasn't been much better at forecasting the economy than his uh, his economist and the Federal Reserve, uh, just to be straightforward about it. And he, he's a great banker, no question about it. But banks right now, the big banks are secure. They're going to make money almost no matter what. Uh, anything conceivable, they'll be making money. It's the regionals, the smaller banks, the community banks that are, are the real uh, scary uh, proposition here in the, in the months ahead, particularly with Janet Yellen in charge of Treasury and Jerome Powell in charge of the Federal Reserve. Uh, in terms of talent, uh, those two institutions couldn't be, in my opinion, any weaker. I, I agree with you. And uh, uh, when is it? Is it tomorrow afternoon they'll announce? Yes, 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Well, a, a lot of nervous people around. Uh, uh, how do you see uh, the, the overall economy? Uh, you know, I know we talked about it looks like uh, the UAW is now settling with General Motors. Right, they've settled. And uh, all, three are, all three of the Detroit uh, majors, are they have a deal. And it's only cost them probably, I'm going to guess, somewhere around 10 to $12 billion, the three of them, uh, to take this strike instead of be intelligent and actually work through a deal to begin with. This is a, an, an anachronistic uh, uh, approach, this, uh, this organized labor bargaining uh, that, uh, that you know, punishes investors, the companies, all because the CEOs don't have the sense and the foresight uh, to come to terms with their workers. Uh, it, I really put it on the management of these three companies. Well, it's a, it's a double problem. And Ford has announced that they're trimming down their uh, electric vehicles because uh, they're only, what was the number? They were only losing like 33 or 36,000 per vehicle. Yeah, yeah, per vehicle. That's yeah, amazing. but if you sell enough of them, John, it'll work out. <laughs> Think about this. The, the Ford CEO has been there uh, for two years, ballyhooing EVs. He hasn't managed to even control production scale at this point. He hasn't managed to assure uh, product quality. It's been a big uh, product quality has been a huge, huge issue for Ford. And now he's going to reverse $9 billion worth of investment in EV. Uh, I don't know what Bill Ford's thinking, but I'm thinking he needs to be looking for a Someone else other than Mr. Farley. Uh, we got a minute left. Anything else you would like to say? I would like to say uh, good luck to all of us because with these folks in charge uh, here and in Washington, uh, it's going to be a, quite a ride. We're Trick in, or treat, right? Yeah, well, we're in deep <laughs> crap. We're in deep crap. Thank you so much, Lou Dobbs, and we'll, we'll catch Thanks, you uh, again real soon. Yep. Yeah, and by the way, Sunday, Thanks, three to four, uh, Lou Dobbs show. Uh, Thanks so much on WNBC Radio. I know. Great stuff. Awesome Let's stuff. take a break. And when we come back, we, yep. have- we have the former Israeli ambassador to the United States talking about anti-Semitism and also so much going on in Israel. We're going to get it firsthand. He's calling us from Tel Aviv. Your commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. In a few moments, we're going to be talking to the former Israeli ambassador to the U.N., Michael Oren, who is over there in Israel. Um, by the way, this just came in, too, that now the number of hostages is 240 hostages. The number keeps going up of how many are held in Gaza. Have they actually given, I mean, I saw that story yesterday where the 
the head of the Mossad uh, went to Doha to speak with the Hamas political director and asked, we want the list. And they refused. They, they have not given him a list yet. Yeah, that's and they keep playing this game of yeah. like, well, if you stop bombing, we'll give over. Although Israel got that woman out yesterday and they, they, they can, rescued her. They rescued her. And the reason they, they said is they were on the ground and able to get her out. No, this is not complicated stuff. They want to cease fire, release the hostages and stop bombing Israel. Yeah, that's all you have to do. It's simple. Well, joining us now is the former Israeli ambassador to the United States, Ambassador Michael Oren, who is in Tel Aviv. Um, Ambassador Oren, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I know you've got so much on your plate right now. Uh, Give us the the latest update uh, because we are praying for Israel. Well, thank you. Thank you for your prayers and warm words of support. Uh, Southern Tel Aviv, Southern Tel Aviv. I live in Jaffa. It is on the 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 missile line. We get hit with uh, several uh, barrages of missiles of rockets every day. Pass over, literally pass over my house. I can actually watch them from my window. Uh, we have a guarded window, like a very thick one, and uh, we can see them go up and they get intercepted by Iron Dome. Uh, Iron Dome is only ninety percent successful, which means if they're firing a hundred rockets at us, ten get through, and some of them are hitting the neighborhood. So we have to be cautious. Every house here has a has a little bomb shelter in it, and I'm talking to you from our bomb shelter right now. You know, some of the stories that have come out have just been horrific, um, Ambassador, uh, of like the woman who we saw in the back of the pickup truck. And some of these stories, we're hearing reports, too, that Hamas um, in Gaza, first of all, is not letting people out, that they're blocking people in. um, And there are reports that they're stockpiling fuel and water and all this other stuff. What are you hearing there? Uh, Of course. And they do this every time, by the way. It's nothing new. So what they want to do, they want to use their own people as human shields. So there are are about a million civilians living in the combat area. We've urged them to move south. Many, many have, but also many have crowded around hospitals and schools. Under the hospital and schools, Hamas has its headquarters and main bunkers. And if they want to leave, Hamas will prevent them from leaving at gunpoint. And so... Just a few hours ago, we've had a major battle in the Jabalia uh, concentration camp. Excuse me, the refugee camp. Yeah, it's late. It is late, and um, they uh, and a number of civilians apparently were killed, uh, but they were killed in a building that was serving as a Hamas headquarters. And so, you know, they were told to evacuate. They didn't or couldn't, and Israel was faced with a terrible choice: um, Do you strike a Hamas headquarters? Uh, and risk you know, civilian casualties, or you know, do you just walk away and create a situation where, where Hamas wins? And it's, by the way, that that's the end of the state of Israel. Um, a ceasefire, end of the state of Israel. Nobody will be able to return the minute, to their home. The minute you show we have, weakness, we have three hundred thousand people who have been evacuated. Yes. Mm-hmm. No question. Yeah, John was saying the minute you show weakness, uh, you lose. Uh, everybody, we're talking to the former Israeli ambassador to the United States, Michael Oren. Michael, what did you make of the UN? Uh, yesterday, Gilad Erdan, uh, the ambassador from Israel, it was so powerful. He puts on the yellow star, of course, of the, you know, rem- uh, you know, reminiscent of the Holocaust era and said, I am not taking it off until this body, the UN, finally condemns the Hamas terrorists. I can't believe, uh, you know, that the UN is having trouble condemning uh, the Hamas terrorists. Well, Gilad Erdan's going to be wearing that star for a long time, unfortunately. So they're not going to condemn it. Uh, that's the UN. Listen, <laughs> don't don't get me started. I've long been an advocate of moving the UN, you know, out of New York and using that wonderful Riverside 
you know, for a great park or a school uh, and moving them to a, a place that's more, I think, more, um, how should I say, more commendable for the U.N. would be like Tehran would be a good one or Damascus. Yeah, it is. It is shocking. Uh, some of the things that have come out of there and, and the lack of, um, I think, moral clarity from them. That's putting it nicely, Ambassador. Um, Judge Richard yeah. Weinberg has a question yeah. for you. Ambassador, what I'm concerned Please. about, it's good to talk to you, sir. What I'm very concerned about is a propaganda war. You have not only UN, but you have Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, all the academia, the media doing this moral equivalency dance. And this dance of uh, proportionality. Would you comment on that? Well, we, we've been facing this for many, many decades, and I've devoted a big chunk of my life to fighting it. And I've come to some basic conclusions. Probably one of them is that uh, Israel, at the end of the day, is the Jewish state, and we're going to have to acknowledge that we're going to be treated as, as sort of the Jew of the international affairs and, and be judged by completely different standards, even by the even different standards of the United States or any other democracy. Uh, but we can fight back. We can fight back, uh, you know, in a Churchillian sense. We can fight back on the newspapers and, the, and on, the, on the computer screens and the social media, uh, certainly in, in conventional media, in radio stations. And that's pretty much what we do when I do all night. I go on TV and, and fight back. At the end of the day, here's the end of the day, we have, a, we have an enemy that understands this. And they understand that it, one of the principal battlefields in this fight is the media is public opinion. And so what, how does it work? They shoot at us. They kill our people. And then we have to fight back, and they use their own people as human shields, so we end up killing their people and brand, get branded as war criminals. So Hamas wins twice. Hamas wins twice, and their goal is to create a situation where we no longer have a legitimacy to, to defend ourselves. We don't even have the legitimacy to exist. And they know they can't destroy us with the rockets, but they can destroy us by, by taking away our legitimacy. And so that's the fight. It's a huge fight. And it's, it, 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 it is almost impossible to win entirely. And at the end of the day, here's the really rough conclusion. You know, a couple of days, we just, we're just going to have to fight. And, and as if there is no international opinion. And uh, withstand the growing pressure for a ceasefire because we have no choice. You're 100% right. You have no choice uh, because you're fighting. We didn't bring this war on us. We didn't ask for this war. They started jungle warfare, and they're fighting jungle warfare. And if you don't fight on equal ground, you lose. It's just it's as simple as that. But people ask me, why not a ceasefire? Ceasefire is good. People stop shooting at each other. End of war. It's wonderful. They don't understand. Ceasefire means Hamas gets away with mass murder. It means that the message goes out that anybody, any terrorist organization, any state can attack Israel, kill you know, 1,400 people, and Israel won't be able to fight back because the international community is going to tie its hands and impose a ceasefire. Thank and we'll you. live in a state like that. Thank you, Ambassador. You know, we've we'll got to take a break. Thank you, Ambassador. And uh, stay oh, safe and uh, keep your people uh, and your family safe, and we'll catch up again real soon. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. Thank you. And now we have our in-house genius, Dr. Peter Michalos. And uh, there's so many things have been happening in medicine lately. I mean, uh, today uh, they said that uh, some eye drops were dangerous. And then last week there was a uh, yeah, cold medicine. Cold medicine was bad. And then uh, an MRI they had a problem. Dr. Michalos, where do you want to start? Well, I want to start because it's the now it's the anniversary of the birth of Jonas Salk, the Jewish kid from East Harlem who invented the polio vaccine that saved millions of people. So I want to tell people, anybody who doesn't 
uh, all the anti-Semites out there, you shouldn't get a polio vaccine because uh, it was invented by a Jewish kid from East Harlem, uh, your, your old neighborhood, and where I worked as a kid. So I do want to celebrate because it's his birthday this October back in 1914. I'm an Italian kid from East Harlem. Yeah, well, but we got to celebrate all the great inventions and contributions of uh, Jewish Americans and the large number of Nobel Prize in medicine and chemotherapies and different antibiotics that were invented. So we celebrate that and uh, the great contributions to American society and to the world. Getting on to the eye drops, yes, there is a problem. The problem is that people like to private label eye drops, except they're made in other countries. I don't really want to mention the countries or the companies that they're made in, but they're not in the United States. And the oversight and uh, FDA inspections are very, very limited. And we ended up with a bug called Pseudomonas, which can actually eat through your eye. People get that bug who sleep in contact lenses and have uh, not so great hygiene. And there have been cases of death because it actually can travel through your tear duct into your sinuses and get into your bloodstream. So they've been recalled and uh, it is a problem. And uh, you can go on the WABC website and learn about more of some of the brands that were associated with those eye drops. And the other one is that cold medicines. The problem is the reason they're going after the cold medicines because one of the components, a decongestion called phenylephrine, is used to make illegal drugs uh, like the methamphetamines, and that's why they're regulated. You have to show a driver's license when you buy those things in pharmacies now because they're using it as one of the ingredients. And they found the FDA that the oral form of that medicine doesn't really work that great. And if you want to decongest your nose, spraying some of that phenylephrine in the form of one of the brand names I'll mention is Afrin. You just spray it up the nose. But, uh, again, that's the reason why they're saying that it doesn't work and they're pushing people to get away from it. It's because it's being used to manufacture uh, illicit drugs in some of these underground laboratories. Wow. Well, Peter Mihalos, you always give us great information. We love having you here on the show, and and thank you so much for educating us. I I feel like I I write a million notes every time you call. Thanks so much, Dr. Peter Mihalos. Thanks for always getting the truth out. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, now uh, let's take a a break, and when we come back, uh, we have a Former Congressman Mike Rogers, who was chair of the Intel Committee. And and he's got some good intelligence, and then he's running for the Senate of Michigan. Uh, Let's take that break. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And joining us now here on Cats and Cosby is former Congressman Mike Rogers. He is also the former chairman of the House Intel Committee, also served in the Army and in the FBI. Uh, Congressman, great to have you here. You know, it is so concerning what's happening at our border vis-a-vis national security. How concerned are you with everything happening overseas and how vulnerable we are here in America. Uh, it is hugely concerning. And here's the craziest thing. This thing is preventable. You could turn this uh, around overnight. If you think about the way this uh, was handled under Trump, we had, I think, seven people who came across that were engaged that were on the terrorist watch list. His entire presidency, we had 18 last month. And here's what really worries me. So you've seen these uh, Iranian nationals coming across the border, Russian nationals coming across the border. So think about the routes they have to get to Mexico or somewhere in Central America to come north. And those are the ones we caught and we see 1.7, they call them gotaways, 
are people that came across that they never got a chance to identify that slipped through are somewhere in this country, given the odds of so many Iranians, so many people on the terrorist watch list, so many people from countries that uh, wish us harm. As an old FBI agent, I can tell you, you're not going to sleep much at night worried about this problem. There are bad people now in this country. We know now it's trying, now they're trying to figure out how they find them. And the darndest thing is we could stop this in two weeks uh, by going back to the old policy. But where's the will? Where's the will of this administration to do it? Even today, the FBI director, Christopher Ray, said, we're vulnerable, we're worried, but he wouldn't point to open border. No. I mean, hundreds and thousands are coming through those open borders right now. And a lot of them are uh, uh, adult males. And they look like, uh, you know, soldiers. And are we opening up a fifth column? For those who don't understand the word fifth column, they're invading our United States of America with the idea that if there's a war, that they're going to act against our cities and act against our citizens. When I was a very young FBI agent in Chicago, I was assigned to the organized crime squad. But when the first Gulf War broke out, They pulled all of us agents, including me, and we started looking at what we had identified over years as sleeper cells. So these are people who were sent to the United States, told to fit in, get jobs, you know, have a family, all of those things. But when the call came in, they would fight on behalf uh, of, of their masters back in the Middle East. And so what we saw was right after the invasion, all of these, cell, uh, these sleeper cell groups got very active around. And so we were pretty aggressive back then in the FBI about finding them, catching them, dealing with them. If you look at the numbers of that, we managed it because we didn't have open borders. You didn't have them flooding in and not knowing who they were or where they're at. Uh, that's what's so concerning about this. And as you talked about, think of that, 1.7. That's just this year. million gotaways. Now, uh, Congressman, you were a, uh, an FBI agent. You were a congressman. Uh, how is this happening to our country? I mean, all the fentanyl, all the drugs coming in and the open borders. How is this happening? Is there nobody with any brains left? I'm not I have I worry a lot about what's happening in the Biden administration. I, at some point, it becomes not just incompetence. It com- becomes purposeful. When you look at how aggressive this has been happening and the, and the problems at the border for this long, somebody is purposely not shutting this thing down. I don't know why. I, I don't even want to speculate. But what I do know is it's it's causing huge problems. I mean, my argument is the FBI ought to be looking at trying to dismantle the distribution network. One of the things that our intelligence services have done over the years is understood how to dismantle complicated both finance, distribution, training arms of al-Qaeda and ISIS and other things. That skill set we ought to just apply right here on the on the gangs bringing people over, number one. And two, the fentanyl, which is uh, produced in China, the, the precursors, it is. It works its way through a distribution system, finds its way to the cartels uh, in Mexico and Central and South America. It's produced into fentanyl and shipped over the northern border uh, because just about anything gets across. And so my argument is, man, we, we can stop the flow, just go back to remain in Mexico. That would stop it right now. They could turn all of those people back and stop this horde of people coming toward the country. There's a whole other column coming up, by the way. And we could get after this fentanyl problem that we know has killed hundreds, 
like tens of thousands. Well, I think that the last twelve months it's like a hundred and seven thousand, and and all of Afghanistan, all of uh, uh, Vietnam, and all of uh, Korea. We are, we lost 110,000, We lost just as many in one year from fentanyl, which is an attack on, our, on the United States of America. But, but our, our Congress doesn't talk about it. Our Democratic led Congress, the part of it, the Republicans do, but the Democrats don't even address that. And it is stunning, John. I mean, it's shocking that even the president, I think he's mentioned what fentanyl two or three times to John's point. And he's not even also, you're, you were in the FBI. Um, I want to ask you about Cornell because the FBI has been sent to Cornell University to kind of calm some of these horrible threats that are against Jewish students. Are you concerned about all these protests? getting very much out of hand and, and creating a lot of threats to the homeland. I am. And if you give me 45 seconds, I'll do it. There was a massive disinformation campaign run by Hamas through through Tehran, by the way. So the Iranians had their hands in it because it was a very high level. They literally fooled uh, uh, two of the best intelligence services in the world, Mossad and Shin Bet, believing that Hamas was, in their words, uh, tamed, right? They had tamed them. They had effectively deterred them was the language that the IDF was using at the time, pulling troops off the border. It was all a disinformation, very sophisticated. That same disinformation campaign is hitting our college campuses. They're only getting the streams that, uh, that, that they're reading is, is coming through a disinformation campaign, uh, developed overseas. Uh, and they're consuming it as fast as they can on college campuses. They, they don't see the violence that we all see and are aghast. And how anyone could march around and even say that is really a big problem. This is something we need to look at. We are getting uh, influenced in a lot of ways, and it's not good for the future national security of the country. Uh, Congressman, really we got a minute left. Uh, you're running for the United States Senate in Michigan. Tell me what you, what your strategy is in Michigan, and how do you win? Well, there's a couple of things. If you look at what the the Biden administration's doing, they're mandating the kind of car you have to drive. An electric vehicle doesn't work all that well in Michigan. It's bad for our economy. It's, it uh, has 40 percent less labor to produce it, uh, and it's not good for the environment. 500 pounds of critical minerals makes one electric vehicle. Uh, that takes four tons of carbon out of the air. That same 500 pounds makes 90 hybrids. And we have to buy from the Chinese, by the way. 85% of it processed in China. So you are taking one-seventh of our economy and empowering an adversary that says they want to dominate us both economically and militarily in the future. Why we would do this is beyond me. Uh, and so people in Michigan are starting to get it. Their groceries are more expensive uh, because of the Biden administration policies, uh, now they're going to mandate the kind of car they drive. They're going to do away with our jobs. And so our working families are absolutely petrified about what's coming. So what we're doing is going to be that voice of common sense. We call it Michigan common sense. And we're going to take that to Washington, D.C. and get people back to work and get our uh, military back on, on, on solid footing. Well, we wish you so much luck. It's so Thank great you. to have you here. Uh, me and John are thrilled to have you here in studio. Thank you so much. Uh, former Congressman Mike Rogers running for Senate there in Michigan. And, of course, uh, the former chairman of the House Intel Committee. Great to have you here. Thanks so much. RogersForSenate.com. You can hear more. Very interesting. Thank you so much, Congressman. Really great to have you here in studio. You know, I want to make a point that John was talking about, the 107,000 deaths, the fentanyl deaths. Yeah. Why don't the TV stations do what they did in the beginning of COVID and start bringing to – remember they used to have the, the, the daily death Every count? Every day. 
Every day. Okay, it, it's horrendous how many people are dying. Yep. And we're just letting more it happen. Than, more than died in three wars. And you know why the Biden administration doesn't want to draw attention to it? Because then it's, it's the border. open border. It comes back to the border. Yes, but which they John, refuse to acknowledge. should continue to pound that home. That's a, that's a good message. Thank you. And look, another whale just died. Oh, how sad. Very, All right, very guys. sad. What do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.